0: That journey was, was like, sounds quite grand, right? When you think about the growth of that, but inside there, you have one daughter followed by twins, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and then you talked about being the CEO of business, CEO Mm -hmm. of home. So can you share just with individuals that are probably starting that journey, pregnant with exams? just gave birth doing exams, right? How do you manage those hats? Like, what's, what's the advice and the tip? Welcome to
1: the Clinician Life Podcast. I'm Emma Jack, and I'm joined by my co host, Daryl Yardley. And together, we're on a mission to help you elevate your practice to new heights. Join us each week as we bring you invaluable insights from some of the world's leading clinicians. From staying ahead of industry trends to crafting your dream career and life, we've got you covered. Get set to unlock your full potential. Here we go.
0: to share he share with people a little bit like what brought you to physio school in the first place like karen elliott pt where did that come from
2: it pro, it came out of um probably my involvement with sport is probably where it came out of i played uh on the national team for women's for canada for women's fastball way back in the day and and did the canada games route and Through anybody who's played any sort of sport, there's injury that's involved. And I had a few of them, and um, that's where I was first introduced to physio and really enjoyed it and really enjoyed the, um, I think, the complexity of it and the different ways of figuring out what the problem was and then doing something about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really intriguing to me. And then in high school, we had to do. Uh, was it? I guess it was job shadowing or career shadowing and so I did that I shadowed a, my own physio that was treating me and kind of observed her throughout three or four days and really liked it I was still on the fence I have to admit between medicine and physio and I even threw my hat in the ring for Cairo um, in the states so um, applied to all three at once and, but I told myself, I am making the decision before I get the results. And so I'd gone through, um, some shoulder rehab and, um, really fell in love with movement and the concept of exercise, uh, as it relates to physio and really liked the combination. And so i made the decision I was going to do physio and thankfully I got in, um, and I got into Cairo as well and, and didn't get into medicine. So there, there's the honest truth, um, <laughs> But interesting, through the journey, though, so I did go through PT school, and it was great. And I I loved sports. So I did my certificate and diploma in sport quite quickly. Um, uh, I got married early. Well, I graduated and got married the next month, and quickly had my first daughter. Uh, and I think she was two weeks old and I did my practical exam for my certificate of sport physio that I don't know what I was thinking with the timing of that. But anyway, uh, the Dean of the college of physical therapy held my baby and I went in and did the exam and I came out and that was that. So, um, so I, I worked in private practice throughout and between, um, uh, pregnancies, I worked at two different clinics, and um, when my kids were starting to get to the age where they were going to be in school, I thought the biggest thing that I wanted was the autonomy and flexibility uh, to be able to go to their school events. I didn't want to have to ask, and and I was really frustrated with with not being able to treat how I wanted to because I really hated passing off my patients to somebody else to do the exercise component because I really loved that. So that was the other reason and I just decided I'm just gonna do my own thing so uh there's two neighbors of mine that live just still two blocks away one's moved but they took over a gym and they their kids and my kids went to school and then it was a physio and they thought would you be interested and I said sure so I rented a room that was about 250 square feet including the bathroom Mm -hmm. and uh Mm -hmm. kind of you know basically dove in and figured out along the way I was very fortunate in the clinic I was working at the owner was very supportive and he was not surprised that I went out on my own so he actually helped me with a lot of the things which was great and still have a really good working relationship and friendship with him as well um yeah and so I was in the gym lots I did lots of you know teams and sports and and it was great and then I just got too busy hired a part-time Clinician as well, and I had a bookkeeper, and um, then the owners raised the rent more than I was willing to pay for not having my own, you know, name on the front. So I found another space, and that was three thousand square feet, which I thought I'll never leave here, and um, grew. And in that, at the time, my husband, who uh, was uh, my husband at the time, um, was also a physio. He joined the practice. And it just kind of exploded um, quite quickly, which is where all the chaos began. Um, As you know, trying to uh, run a clinic with absolutely zero knowledge of business uh, became a little bit too much. So I sought out a lot of, um, well, first we made the decision I was going to run the business and then my um, co-owner was, is a phenomenal physio and he needed to stay doing that. Uh, He would have been miserable doing what I was doing. So but I remember the days sitting in my office. Okay. Okay. I'm going to run the business. And I literally just sat there. What am I supposed to be doing? Was that, what does that mean? So I I thought, well, I got to find somebody who owns a business. So there's a client that was a good friend. And I said, would you mentor me? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so we went for coffee and he asked me the first question, which was, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was sat there, I was like, what do you mean? I just just tell me what to do. Just tell me how to run the business. He's like, I'm not telling you anything until you know exactly what you want this to look like. So go away. Come back to me when you figured it out. So mad. Um, but I was so happy that he did that because it really did make me think about what I wanted to do. And so he mentored me for many, many years and was a client and personal friend and, and passed away from cancer. Uh, but he taught me probably some of the most fundamental things about business. Uh, and he was the person that started to really teach me about listening. Because um, a lot of people ask me, "How can you like, you're such a good listener. And I think I've always been a good listener, but he really helped me listen in a different way sitting in the role of the business owner. Um, so that was that was instrumental. And then I sought out other courses throughout the States because there was nothing in Canada. Lots of it helped. Lots of it made it worse. Probably the biggest thing was mm-hmm. I thought, well, I just need some new patients. I need more new patients. So I did all this marketing and I had I no systems, no structure, nothing to support the influx of new patients. So it was chaos. People were miserable, lost some staff, um, realized this isn't working, kind of barreled along, did another move with the clinic to, I think it was 5,000 square feet at the time across the street kept expanding and kept basically getting more chaotic and miserable. So that's when Clinic Accelerator um, came on board into Canada in um, 2017. I saw they were having this conference and well, that was interesting. Let's see what Canada has to say about running a business. <laughs> so I went and and I remember sitting there and a lot of it, I was like, okay, I've heard that. And then it started to click that. This is what I was missing. The, the part about process and structure so I went back, took what I could. I think I stayed in touch with um, some of the people from there as well. Um, things improved, but not enough that decreased the chaos um, or gave me the time and freedom that I was really looking for. Uh, and so that's when I hopped on a call with with Rick and he talked more about coaching and I was skeptical. I've tried everything. Nothing works. <laughs> like, <laughs> So I finally said, look, I'll give you 30 days to change something in my life. Like I'm done. Like I'm telling you, like, if you don't change anything in 30 days, there's no hope. So in 30 days, uh, all I really did was learn how to block and batch my time properly, implemented a weekly meeting rhythm and uh, start. I think I just began putting in a, a tool to actually measure Objective numbers, and uh, that was it. And I said, I'm in, I'll do whatever you want. So I got into coaching, and that's probably where I had my biggest aha moment. As far as um, if I had the time and freedom, the thing that I want to do more of is coach, and I wanted to coach the old version of myself. Mm. Um, and that's really been my, I get emotional when I talk about it because it's really been the driver of everything. Because it was such a miserable time, and um, I'm trying to be a mom and and a CEO of the home and run this practice, and it was horrible. I got double pneumonia, um, and I thought I was going to die. Um, you know, I was sick and stressed. It was it was brutal. But um, so I decided if I ever had the chance, I wanted to really help the old version of myself. And the coaching that I received, I thought I want to do this. Like I want to. Want to be really good at help other people and make a bigger impact and difference in in the journey and the life of a clinic owner and the clinic owner, and my heart speaks to women, women who are also running the home and the children and and the different challenges that that we have that are different from men. It's just different. It's not right or wrong. It's just different. Um. So that was and Daryl uh, was one of my coaches. Um, which was awesome learned so much from Daryl I think I had Paul for a little bit as well and uh, but I (laughs) remembered Daryl at the point where I you know been in the group for quite a while and I'd really just I was just so curious in the and I would just listen and and then I think of a question and there's times Daryl would be like I got nothing like (laughs) it's the same go ahead, Karen, you you can talk to this. And which was great, which was a testament that they did a good job with me. Um, And that's where I really started to hone in on the the leadership skills and the communication. I started just reading uh, everything I could get my hands on about it so that I could be better. And as a result, I I worked myself out of a job in my own practice uh, within eight months or so. And I created a great team, um, I, I love that part of it, um, down the road. Unfortunately, I, uh, went through a divorce in, in, uh, starting in 2019 with, uh, my ex-husband, who's still the owner of the business and we made it through COVID put our, you know, big boss hats on and made it work. Um, but I just for, got further and further away from the alignment there and just really found more joy in coaching, um, you know, doing sessions at the clinic accelerator summits. And that was probably a turning point where I was like, I, I love this. I want to do it all the time. And so I exited my company and, uh, March 31st, 2023 was the last day I was in the clinic. And, uh, it's been a interesting transition. I know I made the right decision for sure. Um, It's been more difficult than I thought, Um, more so because of the people that were there. Um, So I do miss them, but I love what I'm doing and I know it's exactly what I'm meant to do. Um, And if I had to go back to my old self, I remember the day I stood at the top of the escalator in uh, the university at place real and I I, t- I told myself I think I should go into psychology like I really love like kind of counseling and coaching and listening and I love communication but I talked myself out of that and probably I should have done that based on what I'm doing now but anyway um, it's 2020 <laughs> I got there I'm 51 years old and I finally have got to the right place of what I should not should but what I think I meant to do and now I'm Continuing down the path of education, start my um, international coaching federation certification tomorrow. Doing a healthy business course right now. Um, yeah, and I'm coaching. I think I have 18 clinic owners that I coach, and then there's eight coaches that work with me. Um, so we're just growing that aspect and uh, helping like so many owners just make it a little bit easier. Um, So that's my journey. Here I am. And yeah, I love it.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. I (laughs) feel like so much of your story is, you know, is so common, even uh, with my own story. And I love what you said about, um, you know, hoping that you're able to help somebody, you know, further, faster across the bridge to success, because I think there's so much purpose we can find in helping a former version of ourselves um, mm-hmm. and there's like it's, it's just a different feeling to the work uh, when you know yeah. exactly what it's like being yeah. that person and in that seat um, yeah it's
2: beautiful yeah oh well, thanks yeah it really is and um um yeah I feel like I'm be- making an impact not that I didn't when I was a clinician but I always felt like something was missing and I was chasing the thing. Oh, if I just do this course, then I'll love what I'm doing. Oh, if I just do this, <laughs> then I'll love what I'm doing. And it helped for a bit, but it wasn't sustainable. And I'll always be like that because I that's who I am. I love to grow and learn. Um, but I realized the thing I loved about being a physio was the assessment. Because I got to be curious about the person. I got to ask the questions and problem solve with them and get them to the moment where they are like, that's it. Yes. I just didn't like following through with all the treatment. So.
1: (laughs) I love that. And it's so like you had talked about um, the first mentor you had business wise had said, you tell me what you want. Right. Which is such a coaching question. Right, yeah. it, it's yeah. it's not I'm going to tell you the checkbox and you just go through and do it. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, you've really leaned into being that mentor and coach for others, which is Yeah, yeah. So cool. And he, he owned a
2: printing company.
1: We yeah. talked about last week how you can learn yeah. so much from outside of industry. There's oh, so yes. much to be gleaned from other yeah. industries and how they're doing it and anybody yeah. who's a business owner I think has yeah. so much wisdom to
2: share. Yeah. 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 And, and that's when I learned about questioning. Like he, I would come to him like a, with a work problem. Was so fried. he would never, he never, ever gave me an answer. Not once, not once.
1: <laughs> Frustrating I, at the time, but you realize later how valuable.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. I hated him for it, but I loved him for it too.
0: Yeah. 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 And Karen, the one thing too, that I'm thinking there's so many things, Emma, you and I should just keep dissecting out of things that Karen just said and go deeper. Because I think a lot of listeners will want to kind of know a bit more. Karen, mm-hmm. um, the one thing that you nailed, and Emma and I have chatted about it, is if I just took one more course, it would solve my problem. Yeah. So the issue is, is that we tell people this all the time right? Like stop chasing just that clinical course. Emma and I chatted about just the personal development side of things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I kind of like Emma, your thought about your former self. So mm-hmm. what, why do you think that's so ingrained in us as clinicians is just one more course will solve our problem, but then how do we, and I think with your experience of working with a lot of owners now, how do we get people to prioritize the personal development
2: mm-hmm.
0: in alignment with their clinical professional development?
2: Mm-hmm. That's such a great question. And I think it is, I think part of it is the the personality of the, the physio. Like I think we're a certain, we're a certain kind of breed and a lot of perfectionism totally. is there. And which is ironic because physio is anything but perfect.
1: Mm-hmm. We love right? to try to so make
2: it so though. <laughs> right. But we try, we yes, try heavily. Right. So um yeah, I think it's interesting. And I think that's an area that I learned, you know, when I had young staff and clinicians that I mentioned them on communication. Like I started that early, I didn't do skills at all. I worked with them on communication. I worked with them mostly on like the subjective part of the exam to get them to see how they could, if you just stay curious a little longer in that subjective exam and ask a few more questions, you're going to see it and you're going to, it's going to direct you. It's not about the 25 different tests that I know you had to do, do. The patient doesn't care. They actually don't care what test you did. Mm-hmm. So I, I recognized that early and I, I uh, suggested that as a course in the college, but was not, you know, uh, met with acceptance at perhaps the time. <laughs> um, But I've always with my Staff, kind of that was my lane, and that was my role with mentoring them. And I had other clinical skills people who did that part, but that's where I saw when I did that, the clinician just got more confident and and therefore became more competent. So I I probably did started doing that early on, and then I had a clinical director uh, recently, Rhonda, who's exceptional at that, and she could marry the two pieces. But she always went back to the communication. What are they telling you? What questions do you need to ask? So, you know, to answer your question, I believe it should be a, a course in physio school. Yeah, I t- I totally agree
1: with that. Whenever somebody asks me, you know, what what course should I yeah. take, I I definitely lead people to communication, motivational yeah. interviewing based course. Yeah. Like, there's so much power we have in listening to your point yes. about listening and hearing for the answer. And I think, I think Daryl, we're just going to mention Jackie Sadie in every episode we have. Um, Jackie Sadie, I remember her saying, you know, if you listen long enough, the patient will tell you what's wrong.
2: Yep, 100%. And I, I think
1: there's so much truth in that. And, and it's almost, mm-hmm. do you think you have to reach a certain I hate to say it this way, but like low point in order to realize like your story, Daryl's story, my story, we all sort of did it one way and then sort of crashed out at the bottom and thought not this anymore in order to make these changes. And do you think that's a necessary Mm -hmm. uh, sort of dip that we all sort of have to take Mm -hmm. on our journeys or is there a way to curtail that?
2: I I think it's a bit of both. I think that from failure and I don't want anybody to hit rock bottom per se, but from <laughs> failure, we learn, right? If we don't get down to the low point, we don't get out. We don't yeah. know how to then look at it, things differently. Clearly what I'm doing is not working. Um, I got to try something else. And then then I think you're open to other things. I also think it would set people up for greater success having some of those skills in their toolbox along with the clinical things.
1: Yeah, you almost know, like, like
2: I would love to develop a course for clinicians on just that. Where it is like, you know, instead of practicing this technique, we're going to role play this scenario yeah. with communication skills. Um and we do a lot of that, role playing and people learn so much from that. So yes. That in the shopping cart of things to do as far as projects, (laughs) but and I think honestly, now I think people are more open to it and are hungry for it.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely feel like there people have opened up to the idea mm-hmm. that some of these other skill sets are more important and I think it might be prioritized more if it was felt like at the academic level. Yes, it's important because that really does influence a young clinician as to what's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, mm-hmm. I, I will mm-hmm. say, I think this is something Nick Hannah does really well um, in promoting um, he's Hannah moves on Instagram. He promotes a lot about communication and the importance Mm -hmm. of communication. And Mm -hmm. I know, you know, it does work with clinicians in that way. And I think it's so needed and necessary. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. You know, when you think of it, it's really quite ridiculous that we don't because a person is more than their injury. There is so many external factors influencing that person that walks through your door, if you don't know how to ask the questions and pull some of that information out, I don't think you're ever going to have the success or the clients not going to have the success that they potentially could have. Mm. And in order to do that, you know, have to know how to ask the right questions or know how to ask about their social life, their personal, their home life, their time you know you look at nowadays when i think back i mean i graduated in, in 1996 it was very different now it's like pe- everybody's inundated with you know double income families both people are working kids are in everything like they're so overloaded and taxed that you have to address that before you ask them or you know or prescribing them to come in at certain- i can't i have no time right yeah. So we've got to be able to change with the changes I think that have happened in the world and and I we're just not, mm-hmm. which is why clinic accelerator is so helpful because we are recognizing that and we coach like that, but it needs to it needs to start at the college level and at the student level,
0: yeah. And I think a couple of interesting things that sort of spearheaded it too, right? Like if you think about the pandemic, you know the whole premise around people switching over to virtual, whether it was, you know, the true like video format or a phone call, like the clinics that did and the practitioners that did very well went mm-hmm. back to the basics. Like how do mm-hmm. you communicate with people who were cut off for access? Right. Yeah. So the whole thing, like we shut our doors down. We're like, we knew that that wasn't the answer. Like, yeah, we may have closed our doors, but we're still open for service. Mm-hmm. If you really look at the evidence in the virtual care that came from, it, it was all based on us honing in our communication skills. Mm-hmm. So like that relevance is there.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: Karen knows that I'll go on tangents all the time. But one of the things that was my most frustrating moment, like looking at my first student that I had when we were all back open, first year PT student, I said, we're hopping on a virtual call next. Are you ready? He's like, oh, what? I was like, you're you're like a pandemic baby here. Like you are a PT student in the pandemic and you have not touched a virtual platform? He's like, nope. I was like, we've got a problem, right? Like, because Mm -hmm. this is now a new form, Mm -hmm. like truly quality of service. Now, whether you like that, that medium or not, that's totally up to you. But the reality is, is what's consistent is communication. Communication. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And And I think that also showed us the, sorry, Daryl, it also showed us how therapeutic communication is because that's Mm -hmm. all we now had right mm-hmm. was our ability mm-hmm. to communicate where we were hands off mm-hmm. and i think a lot of us saw oh my gosh actually when i'm spending my time in education and in conversation they still get better yeah. and mm-hmm. and how impactful that is
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100% and I, and it's interesting though because you'd think that that would change sort of curriculum and evaluation and it's interesting mm-hmm. cuz Karen, you and I chat about this all the time on the value of role playing. And then Emma, we chatted recently too, is like you would never think about development of a sports team without looking at game tape. Right. And you know, yeah. being able to like record yourself. And yeah, like everyone can complain about privacy, but there's ways around it, right? Yeah. And there's privacy guidelines, so we're private. But the truth is, is like watching yourself in assessment, watching yourself close an assessment. Or even remove the patient and Karen and I do a role play and give each other feedback on it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how you get down and like into the weeds on that true competency. Mm -hmm. But it's hard. It's Mm -hmm. different. It's time consuming, right? It's, but it's the, probably the most impactful component to a young career success, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And let's be honest here, you and I know, like, it's so hard to stay curious when you're already thinking of like the 10 tests I'm supposed to do in the objective. And I forget about like, that you had, you know, you had uh, one daughter, you had twins, you were running a business, you were taking those kids to sports and all kinds of activities. And I would have still said, you got to come see me three days a week for your shoulder. And you would have been like, yeah, sounds great. Okay. And canceled. Cancel a
2: bunch (laughs) of those sessions. (laughs) Right. That's true. It's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then
1: how much that then, you know, translates to, to your point, Karen, you went from practicing clinician into this leadership role mm -hmm. and we know that requires a whole different skill set in terms of communication, mm-hmm. but oftentimes that's what I'm finding with a lot of leaders is also hard. They haven't honed their communication skills in having conversation and difficult conversations, yeah. um, and how they approach those. So, was that a major transition for you in terms of, you know, how you were
2: showing up? I think so. It was initially, but I like I I think that that was one of my strongest suits i mean doing my practicums i always got you know high marks for communication so i think it was already there but i had to really shift the the methodology of how i did that um and i think listening became more important to allow a space for the clinician to li- for me to listen yeah. but then how was i going to get my point across without you know um being you know disrespectful or sh- shaming or any one of those things right so I really had to be thoughtful about and I messed up many times like early on I messed up lots right uh my kids would tell you I, I practiced a lot of my kids <laughs> so, <laughs> uh because they're probably the hardest uh people <laughs> having difficult conversations with but um And then I, and then I just thought I got to get better at this because I'm not doing a good job and people are not happy. So Mm -hmm. I just started doing more work in it and, and, uh, just became good at it, but it was practice Mm -hmm. like, and that's the thing, right? It takes practice and framework and it's so communication is so multi-leveled it's listening. Yes. It's verbal, but it's listening. It's also body language. It's also tone. It's the, It's the words that you use. It's also the reflection to ask the patient or whomever, does that make sense to you? Makes sense to me, but does it make sense to you? Because that's what's important. So if they don't know what a glenohumeral joint is, you better not be using that terminology. Right. Yeah. Right, so there's just so many things around the the big concept of co- of communication, and and I think we as humans overcomplicate it a lot mm-hmm. of times, <laughs> for sure. I
0: I remember too. I had this great clinician, and and we did a recording of him closing his assessment. And I remember this this kid said everything correct, like mm-hmm. like from a true clinical perspective. But I sat down, I was like, you were like really like creeping me out. He's like, why? I was like, why are you so close to the patient? Like you were like, mm, yes, right. right? Like, yeah. and mm-hmm. and every time she asks you a question, you're like, well, I think because, or yeah, I think that would be like you, it was not committal. And I said, but you nailed everything. Like you knew the answers. He's like, yeah, I did. I don't know why I say that, but unless mm-hmm. you actually role play yeah. it, you can correct yeah. them, right? Yeah. And you have a, you had this clinician that was point on, knew the mm-hmm. plan, knew what to do in the plan but unfortunately didn't get any buy-in mm-hmm. and his trust was going to be very very difficult to build mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was like you need some personal space like you're in my, thing. like yeah you know that 100 square feet isn't working in your favor at the moment <laughs> right yeah so um so Karen the one thing I wanted to to sort of chat about though so make sure I correct me if I make sure I got this right so originally you had you worked between two locations Then it was a 250 square foot, then 3,000 square foot, then 5,000 square foot, then two facilities, right? 5,000 square foot clinic plus training facility as well. Well,
2: But 5,000 went to seven because we expanded into two more bays. So that went to seven and then another facility. Okay. Training facility, yeah. Okay.
0: And then where I want to circle back, because I remember listening to you talk about this at one of our conferences, and I think it's important. So that journey was was like sounds quite grand right when you think about the growth of that but inside there you had one daughter followed by twins right yeah. yeah so and then you talked about being the ceo of the business ceo mm-hmm. of home so can you share just with individuals that are probably starting that journey pregnant with exams just gave birth doing exams yeah. right yeah. how do you manage those hats like what's what's the advice and the tips you have for mm-hmm. them these multiple chambray's
2: yes um, well just to be clear i i did it all wrong to start with so but that's how i learned um that's unfortunately that's how i ended up with double pneumonia and i i had to really take a good look at myself and um and my struggle with perfectionism so I really had to address my struggle with perfectionism and thinking I can do it all. So I was trying to do it all and clearly wasn't working out. So that was the impetus, to be honest, for I had to make a change. And I really started with boundaries and the boundaries between when do I stop work? And then when I walk in the house, I have to be a mom and, and there's no work. And so, and I would have hats just as a physical prop to put on my head and take off to just ingrain that. Um, and so I was very conscientious to have a stop date or stop time. I'm done working at this time. If, if something's urgent, someone will call me. And I actually asked my kids to help if I, you know, was on the computer something. I was sneaking work in to call me out on it. Uh, and they did, so <laughs> they I, would love that job. I'm sure oh, yes. they loved it. Yeah, <laughs> mom, you said. I think you're right. Thank you. <laughs> um, and things started to improve. Like I started to be a better mom, um, trying to do it all and be perfect, and and uh, you just are not good at anything. So I, I felt like a terrible mom. I felt like a terrible business owner. So starting with those boundaries, I started to get joy from being a mom because I could be present. Uh, with my kids and just be in it as a mom and not be multitasking which I don't think works and then when I would go to work I would be present there which made me a much better owner a much better mentor and all those things and I actually had more energy and I was starting to enjoy my life a lot more Mm -hmm. so um and I think the other and it's a I, and I, I still work on this. It's the dual concept of dual realities. And I think women struggle with this. I can't, you know, I can't be a good mom and, I, and be a good business owner. I can't be, I can't be both. Yes, you can. You can be a great mom and the best that you can be. And you can be a great clinic owner and the best you can be. You can do them both. If you have clear boundaries for yourself and your family, you commit yourself to keeping them um you can do both yeah and I think I I, through that journey I really believe that I because I hear and I see some of the things that my kids are older now they're 20 the twins are 24 my oldest is 25 and I see some of those things in them and I'm just like, yes (laughs) you got through to them
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's something though that's so common these days is because it's so accessible to have work all the time if you want it, right? Oh, yeah. Our email yeah. can be in the palm of our hand. Yes. Like we can, we can stay hyper-connected to work if yeah. we want to. And mm-hmm. so to your point, like so mm-hmm. great that you were able to implement sort of strict boundaries for yourself to create the energy to show up in those spaces how you want it to, because yeah. I think it does take a mm-hmm. lot of intention these days to do that because mm. without intention work is always available
2: yeah and even even more so I think too and and it's for everybody it's not just women too it's everybody yeah. right but it's it's there's more to life than that and I you know getting sick like that was also a wake-up call like at the end of the day um I really only have my health so I better look after myself um, first and then I'll be better able to show up for everybody else. Um, I also had to make the decision too. That's when I really pulled back hard on the the treating and really stopped treating and finally basically didn't treat much at all anymore, but
1: Mm -hmm. yeah.
2: And I, that's one of the main things I probably start with every clinic owner when I coaching them is that. Yeah. 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 So truly even
1: just that is transformational. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I think too,
0: it's interesting because Karen, you and I always chat about like just these hard tactics at times, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just met with a clinic owner before this um, session today. And same thing, I was like, you can't do all these things mm-hmm. if you're still treating 50 hours a week. It's just not possible. Mm-hmm. The vision that this gentleman wants to have for his business and the colleagues he brings on, I'm like, exceptional. But you're, you're far away from getting there. Mm -hmm. that first step done so and I think that's so relevant right but it's so hard Karen because the one thing too is that treating is your identity Mm -hmm. right like especially this perfectionist diploma of sport PT Mm -hmm. right everyone knows you were in town Mm because you're in the large large city of I was
2: pretty good I will give myself some (laughs) credit here I I was pretty good
0: So how, how do you deal with the identity conflict here? Like what do you, where, where people are struggling, right? Cause it's easy to yeah. say, just reduce your clinical time. Yeah. But that's me, right. So what, what advice do you get for people that um, need to kind of overcome that hurdle first?
2: Well, I, I would actually throw the question that my first mentor, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you really want? Mm-hmm. If you don't know that, it's very, very hard to let go of something. But if you're really clear on your your big vision, where you're going and and your ideal scene, mm. then, then you just do what you need to do, work backwards to get it. But if you don't have that clear vision of where ultimately, and it's everything from, you know, the, how many hours in until I only wanted to work four hour, four or five hours a day. That was it. Because I wanted to do other things, because I, I knew I wanted to have a bigger impact on a again the old version of myself. But if you don't know what that is, it's really hard to make big changes like that. Because what are you working towards? You're just going to be miserable. But if you can align it with um, that big end goal, your ideal scene, and make it big, make it even mm-hmm. even if you think it's ridiculous. Who mm-hmm. cares? But that's what's going to get you to let go of some of those things because you can't, you cannot do it at all. You can't.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. So good.
1: So good. Thank yeah. you so much. You've dropped so much wisdom here. And I know so many people are going to resonate um, with your story and with your journey and yeah, it was so great to hear that. I feel like I know you so much better um, <laughs> hearing that story. And I love that you are on the coaching journey. Um, mm-hmm. I know I've, uh, I've felt the same way about finding coaching and just really feeling like this is my lane, these are my people. Um, so I love that you found what lights you up and what so clearly uh, you're meant to do. So we'll wrap up with this last question. What
2: advice would you give your younger self? Mm. I would, I would tell my younger self to let go of the shoulds Mm. and embrace what is not what if, or what was, but the, the, what is right now, I would say, um, And I I would tell myself to really listen to my gut more Mm -hmm. because I knew early on, but I was trying to be somebody I really wasn't. So yeah. Yeah. That's probably one of the things. And I I think the other is that you, the dual reality is I would tell myself, you can do both. You can be a great mom and you can be a great business owner. I fought that. I fought that for so many years with guilt. Um, And I would have saved myself a lot of pain and struggle.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank, thank you for sharing that about
2: <laughs> daryl and less stomach
0: <laughs> aches too
1: yes yes
0: we would have been able to listen more through the uh through the through those aches and pains yeah uh, yeah and i think it's i think you know when we think about too like what do we want people to take away from this session mm-hmm. for those that make it to the end of the podcast so i still think we should all walk away with that question you said too is like what what do you want to be when you grow up because think about that it leads right into like what are your core values right mm-hmm. like If for those of you that are Mm -hmm. listening, because you're thinking about, you know, starting that entrepreneurial journey, right? Like what Mm -hmm. is the vision that you're trying to do or you're trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. How does that tie into your identity as opposed to being so specific to the discipline that you are, Mm -hmm. right? And I think the advice that you gave too is like, just listen to your gut, right? We say that often to people, like what's your gut telling you to do right now? Yeah, yeah, And I yeah. think that advice is stop worrying about, and Emma, you nailed this a few weeks ago, which is like, stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. And I should be doing what these people are doing, right? So drop yes. the what, and just focus on what you actually have the ability to control in the moment mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. and ask yourself, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? I feel like I have to go write down something maybe for our meeting tomorrow, Karen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's got to bring you joy and energy. That's the other piece too. It's like you. It- you got to love what you're doing. And if you're not, then, then figure out what you want to be when you grow up. Yeah. yeah. All right? the options are options. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, you don't need to wait till you're 51 to get there. Mm-hmm.
0: But, but, you, but you're a you got lots
2: of years left. I'm young. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm actually actually only 26. So
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> you, you nailed our first guest. So we're so oh, happy thanks. that you we were able to be our first guest. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks for all the uh, the knowledge bombs that you just dropped.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. And I I feel honored I was the first guest. And Emma, I'm so glad to officially meet you. I yes. feel like we could be friends. I think, um, I think we can be. I think we
0: can be. <laughs> Karen, she likes sangria too. So she fits right in with yeah.
2: you. Okay, good. Yay.
0: <laughs> Karen, Karen is my uh, Friday friend. So Karen, pizza and wine every Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. Brilliant. yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. We actually, have a,
0: you and you and Kev have to get a pizza oven.
1: Oh gosh. Okay. That sounds yeah. like it requires more culinary skills than I have, but uh we'll work up to it. <laughs> we'll oh need, yeah.
2: We can we coach. We'll get there. I need well, one okay. I need a pizza oven too. That's on my bucket list. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and we'll we'll add that to the list when Kevin comes out to the uh to the podcast Perfect.
2: yeah and, <laughs> okay. and thank I just want to say thank you both for doing this I think this is just amazing that you're doing this I think you're going to help a lot of you know people avoid some of the, the struggles that that maybe they don't have to right that we don't have to all ride the struggle bus as long <laughs> you do a little bit because that's part of the journey but maybe you don't have to be on the struggle bus for as long
1: mm-hmm. yeah thank-,
2: thank you so Thank you for doing this. I, I think I think you guys are going to really knock it out of the park.
0: Awesome. Thanks. Well, Thank well, just so you know, you're probably gonna have to come back on for a future episode. Okay.
2: Yeah. I yeah. think
0: these are going to get a little bit juicier as we go. So we'll probably have a little bit more like true, like, Hey, we have a scenario that's happened. We need some. We need
2: some- <laughs> oh, yes.
1: I'm, and there, maybe, okay. um, I'm just going to put this out there. Maybe when you're launching your communication course we will bring you on to talk about it. Sound good?
2: Okay. okay. Stay,
1: tuned.
0: It's Stay development. tuned. Awesome. Well, thanks, Karen. Have thanks, a good you guys. Day. Have thanks. a good night, and thanks for, uh, thanks for everything you did today. I appreciate it.
2: You're welcome. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode and joining us on this journey to get smarter in business and life by learning from the top clinicians in the world. Make sure to connect with me on Instagram at Daryl Yardley and be sure to follow my co-host Emma at Pressplay Physio to stay connected. And also visit us at clinicianlife.com for more resources, articles, and opportunities to participate in the show. We'd love to have you on to share your expertise and insights with our growing audience. Can't wait to see you next week.